Welcome to the Fatty Z Muskie Podcast. I'm Andy, joined by Vance across the round table. <laughs> we uh, also have Todd Young on speakerphone. That hasn't changed, but just about everything else, Vance, has changed, hasn't it? It has. This is very awkward. Okay. Yeah. Because I'm sitting down. I'm in my same position. Same. Awesome. Probably same sitting on the couch in his underwear. No, I'm in the garage. <laughs> I have some sweats on. It's pretty cold out here. Yeah, we, uh... Boat's parked. The boat is probably 150 feet away from you, filled with stuff from the pole barn, sitting in the new pole barn. We're in... Transition. This is is a transition episode. Hopefully the next one is in... No, it's not going to be the next one. I'm going to work as hard as I can to get the studio up. But, unless Vance wants to sit in... What is it, 42 degrees outside? Yeah. Yeah, this is this is the best we got right now. So, a little bit of an echo, a little bit of a different sound. We're working on it. Bear with us. Um, this podcast is brought to you by Fatty Z Musky Products. FattyZMusky.com on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. None of them have been updated. That recent Vance keeps Instagram pretty updated. Mm-hmm. But you can find us there. Uh, brought to you by St. Croix Rods, best on earth. If you're in the market for a uh, new fishing rod, any species, salt, freshwater, ice, check them out. Made in America mostly. And thank you, St. Croix. Todd, you want to hit up? Yes, uh, Muddy Creek Fishing Guides. Todd at mcfishingguides.com. That's how to get, get a hold of me via uh, email. We are ready to go. For next season. For next just season. About. Yeah. We, we're just about, I mean, we're wrapping things up this year. Uh, season's about over for us. We got snow coming. I pulled the boat home. I'm officially done. Now, let me Still ask you this. Days open. Yeah. Does your truck run better without the boat on the back of it? Yeah, it does. It's a lot easier to park and turn and go places. Yeah. <laughs> I how, yeah. how about when I'm when I when it, my boat's not hooked up I still drive it like it's hooked up. It takes yeah. me like a day a day you know to to realize the boat's not back there. I'll be pulling into like another lane on a on a tight turn or something like that, and I'll be like, wait a minute, that I don't have to clear anything. It, there's nothing yeah. behind me. Well, see, that's it's exactly just like opposite. a huge. It, it's just like a huge relief. Relief. It's like so easy to drive without the boat. Oh my God, I know. And, you know, when the boat's on air, I'm always looking behind me and doing all this. And, you know, yeah, it's a sad, sad but happy at times. You know what I mean? I'm ready. I've had a rough. It, it, it's not easy. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of long days. A lot of sunny days this year. I'm uh, hearing you complain about going fishing every day. You probably yeah, hear that a lot. You fish every yeah, day. Yeah, I hear it. I hear it every day. People are like, "Wow, you got it, you got it." And then at the end of like six hours into the day, they're like, "Wow, it's really hot out here." Like, yeah. <laughs> now, you should have been here yesterday. I'm going to do, do it tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. So I'll be not complaining. Love what I do. Love taking the guys out to try to get them to fish, but. Uh, yeah, I get wore down. I'm, I'm telling you this right now. I think Todd can agree with me. It's better to fish in the shade. Yeah, it's better to fish <laughs> in the shade. I don't have any shade where we're fishing. But, uh, yeah, the season's uh, 
season's done. I'm going to get my schedule together for next year. I know we've got a lot of people looking for that early season, that June, June through July. A lot of guys listening that are uh, looking forward to doing that. Just let me get the schedule together and, uh, you know, get the new calendar out. And, you know, definitely if you're really adamant about wanting to do that, we want to get it going before the show season starts because that's when we'll start booking big time. So, you know, we're going to Vance and myself. So Vance is going to keep a lot of stuff open that early season. You know, people always ask me what's the best time, what this and that. Uh, every year is different. But uh, as far as consistency, that early season cast bite, we're usually able to get on some fish. Uh, nice. So, yeah, that'll be coming up shortly. Yeah, now we're starting to think about some uh, show dates. We're definitely going to be in Pittsburgh at the Muskie Max. We're definitely yeah. going to be in Columbus, Ohio for the Ohio Muskie Show. And yeah. maybe we're on the bubble for, for one or two more. We're going to find out, see yeah. how things pan out. Yeah. And um, that kind of brings us around to Boss Shad. We are also brought to you by Boss Shad, Paul Frustario. Um we will have an assortment of Boss Shads with us at the shows. Currently, we have some inventory of the Mud Puppy that pattern that, if anybody knows, poor Mitch, no longer with us. He was a Mud Puppy. and So we're getting, we're getting some baits made in Mud Puppy. And, um, but Boss Shad, you guys, uh, I didn't catch a fish on a Boss Shad this year because I've been out four times. Did you guys catch a fish on a boss shad? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm looking yeah. forward to using this mud puppy he painted up for us. It's a, well, it's personally my favorite color. Uh, and he did a really good job on this one. Yeah, so anyways, with uh, boss shad, you can find boss shads. You can find them at... I think it's boshshad.net. Google search it. But I have yeah. a I have a nice list here. Uh, I have Mark's Bait and Tackle and Ammo. It's the largest Boshshad dealer. All makes and models and colors in Ravina, Ohio. The online store I got a text that said is currently is up and running. Uh, should you be looking for a Boshshad, be sure to check that out. Uh, Musky Tackle Online. Has stock colors, four and a half inch, which is, I believe, just the standard Boss Shad and the Crime Boss. Team Rhino Outdoor has the four and a half inch regular Boss Shads. Triple J's in West Virginia. Chautauqua Reel Outdoors. Ross Sports Shop. Thorn Brothers. And North Shore Tackle in Canada. For anyone who's north can find them there. Hopefully nice. that's shipping. That's a killer. You know, uh, I, I'll get in, you know questions all the time. How much shipping into Canada? Todd and I, we've had this conversation a lot. Yeah, there was a time. It used to be that way. It used to be cheaper for us to ship to Canada. There was a time, like maybe yeah. I don't know, ten years ago. Really? It literally was yeah. cheaper to ship something to Canada than it was anywhere in the U.S. It was. I remember taking two things to the mail 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 place, and it was like, so it's ninety nine cents for me to ship this to Ontario. It's a dollar forty nine for me to ship this to Beaver Falls, which is down the road. Down the road for me. Mm. <laughs> They're like, that's just the way it's set up right now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it 
it's it's not like that anymore. No, it's not like that. It sucks because just the exchange rate and everything. So if you're in Canada, be sure to check that out. That would be your it would be a great outlet uh, if you're interested in boss shads. Great trolling baits, work wonderful, unique in their own right. So thank you, Paul and Boss Shad, for supporting the podcast. Well, and we'll have some of those at the at the shows. We're gonna have some at the shows. Yes, uh, we're gonna have at least some mud puppies. And, Are they uh, custom colors? <laughs> Andy almost <laughs> fell out of his round table seat. My round table seat, huh? <laughs> this is this is my dining room chairs that we're sitting in. I feel like this is like an election panel up here. This is very awkward not being in the Ranger. I feel like we're sitting on CNN or Fox. Well, right now. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you this: there ain't no cameras here. The budget ain't big enough for that. No, that's right. But, uh, okay, so this podcast, we are going to, I want to catch Vance up. I just got back from uh, my Kentucky whitetail hunt. Archery season wrapped up here a few days ago, more than a few days ago in PA. Uh, we're a little behind podcast-wise, but uh, so this is going to kind of be Andy's wrap-up. We're going to talk a little bit about the upcoming hunt that we have planned for all of us uh, the first Saturday of rifle in Pennsylvania. So I got some pretty cool stories and I'm going to start out with chronological order. Vance disappeared off the map. I didn't know till one day, but like the next day, <laughs> I literally, I was calling you. I'm like, <laughs> you were like, where are you? I was like, I'm in Utah. <laughs> I just saw him the night before. <laughs> he didn't say yeah, nothing about it. I dropped off something for him to do. <laughs> I dropped off a golf yeah. cart. That's right, you did drop off. Yeah. You came up to camp, picked up the golf cart at my camp. Left, yeah. Dropped it off at Andy's, and then you're in Utah the next morning. Yeah, yeah it's just like, well, I'll see you later. <laughs> 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 so I got Vance's golf cart <laughs> and uh, my kids love to play on it that was my good distraction when I'm trying to pack up all this stuff from my old house to bring it over to the new house and yeah it's still over there <laughs> we're closing on like Tuesday so I better move it or they're gonna own it yeah you better and yeah. uh, that's a birthday gift for somebody and, and Christmas and Christmas <laughs> Tell me you got that for your girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> you get a ride, you're riding dirty there? Yeah, it's lifted. And it is lifted. It is bright red. Big tires. And like, chromey rims like. You have to get yeah. one if you live in the camp life, you know. The camp life. Yeah, you get made fun of if you don't have one. I was driving the gar garbage up to, you know, to throw the garbage out of camp in my truck. Everybody was sitting there in their golf carts laughing at me. Really? <laughs> okay, yeah. but are, are they like laughing at each other? Like, I can't believe you got the 24-volt model. I'm over here rocking the 36. It's like that. You know, if I, if, when I roll, roll up in a golf cart next year, they're going to accept me. You're worried about being accepted I'll by your be, neighbors? I mean, I wasn't before, but, you I know, mean, that heck, stuff grows on you. you you're... You're rocking a tiller. I know. Look, 
I'll be invited to their fires at, at nighttime and stuff like that. People will accept me in the community. Do you know another way to be accepted? If they're not inviting you to their campfires, you set their camp on fire. Oh. It's only going to take one time and everyone's <laughs> going to be inviting Vance I, around. I had a... Uh, I did almost set my, my regulator exploded on my my brand new camper, and I did almost set the entire place on fire because of that when I wasn't there. I don't have good luck with buying new things. No, I, I they always they always screw up. As anyone who's listened to the podcast mm-hmm. would probably know. That's neither here nor there, but yeah, figure that thing out for me. Okay, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna figure it out. And I'm going to be going stealthy around my yard. It's electric. Yeah. we. My parents have a golf cart, but it's an old one. And it's a two-stroke. Yeah. I mean, and it's pretty quiet. Mm-hmm. But it's just so weird when I'm hearing the rocks popping under the tires. Yeah. And nothing else. <laughs> like the like the four-mile-an-hour breeze over my no-headed hair. My hair, no-haired head. <laughs> yeah. If anybody goes to campsites, they know... The golf cart. It's a status life. symbol, isn't yeah. it? Oh, it is. Huh. I'm looking forward to rolling in there with a cart next year. Do you want me to, you know, drop in like a 96-volt motor? No, we got to paint it black, though. You want to murder it out? Yeah. That's another thing. I don't want to get into this. <laughs> you These are more tasks <laughs> for Andy. Okay, I got, a, I got a question because this is this is halfway relevant to fishing. Do you want me to paint it mud puppy? Yes. I would take that or black. You always say black's the easiest color to, to do, that or white, you know, so. Maybe and then you want me to like put two coats of epoxy on it, too? Yeah. Silver scale. Silver scale, okay. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll mud puppy that thing up. <laughs> All right, so anyways, <clears throat> getting back to hunting. I took, let's see here, um, it would have been early November. I took a Friday off of work to go hunting, and... So my, my thought was this. I don't normally burn too many vacation days, but I wanted to get I wanted to get the job done this year like I had the previous two years with my bow. And so I take the Friday off. My my thought is I'm gonna hunt Friday morning, come home, move some stuff, hunt Friday night, come home, eat dinner, get the kids to bed, wake up Saturday morning, go hunting, move some stuff, go hunting, repeat. Anyway, so I have never had great success using deer urine. Mm-hmm. I've had some. It's really hit and miss. And the one thing, Todd, you ever use a deer, you know, like like a doe and heat drag? No, I, I never have. Okay. Thought I thought about it, but never did it. Yeah. It sounds so good on paper. There's some people that have great luck with it. Yep. It is, I, I, I'm still dumbfounded by it. I think I actually had a deer follow it this year. But it, it, it's not enough to make me say I want to do it. And in fact, I'll talk about some trail camera photos and some real life experiences of my doe estrus. And I, I, I'm using it, timing it, you know, halfway accurately. I'm not just like first weekend of archery, you're dumping it out there. Cause yeah. it's just It yeah. doesn't yeah. fit well. You, you try to time it to be nearly one of the first deer that should be smelling like that. And mm-hmm. hopefully that attracts some deer. Now, I think it kind of did this one day. But anyway, I'm going to get back to it. So Friday... Oh gosh, this is going back a couple weeks, so memory's not that great. Uh, that Friday morning, I, I pulled the drag all the way up. I made a little fake scrape. I always do. I have a camera there. I just want to see what the heck's going on. And I sat up there. I had some 
I had some good midday activity that day, which is typical what happens when the deer get closer to the breeding season. Um, generally speaking, the deer during like archery season, you're going to have good activity in the morning, at night, sometimes not. But that's the first couple hours, the last couple hours, that's what you're seeing. But as it gets closer to the rut, you'll see a lot of daytime movement from bucks and stuff. And I was seeing that. I was having a bunch of little bucks come running around, this and that, chasing some does. Just, it, it was a fun time to be in the stand because you didn't really go much more than 45 minutes without seeing a deer. So it, it keeps your interest peaked. Well, okay, so I get down, I go, I move some stuff. And then I come back and I get all my stuff on. I got a pretty decent walk back to where I'm going hunting. And I, I set this up to where I literally just power bombed my hunting era with like dominant buck urine and doe estrus. And this is good stuff. This isn't Walmart stuff. This is... Yeah, I think you had me smell that. It's right here. You yeah. want me to... Oh, no, not again. Okay. Um, it's horrible. It, it's a local source farm. One deer, you know, it's it's... It's just not big name brand stuff. Well, anyways, so I parked the truck. It's, I don't know what time it is. This was before the time change. It might've been two o'clock, three o'clock. And I start walking. Now I'm walking slow and paying attention because anything can happen if the deer are moving midday. And I'm walking up what I call Heart Attack Hill, which isn't all that steep. It isn't all that long, but for whatever reason, everyone gets winded at the top of it. I'm about, I'm about two thirds of the way up the hill and I can, I can kind of see off to my right and I've seen deer off to the right in the past. And so, you know, you just kind of know what to look for when you hunt a property long enough. And I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a deer. And it's not out there too terribly far. I'm going to, I'm going to guess, I'm going off a lot of memory here, 60 to 80 yards. Mm -hmm. And it was like broadside. And I'm like, Oh, this deer hasn't spotted me. Generally speaking, when I see those deer in that spot and I'm walking up Heart Attack Hill, they already know I'm there. They're mm -hmm. just wanting to figure out what I am. They're on high alert. But this deer just didn't seem to care. Mm. So I drop down to my knees and I'm looking and I, I scope up the deer and it it's a respectable profile of an eight point. And I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a buck right there. So... I'm like, well, what do I do? I have everything in my backpack and I have my bow in my hand. Uh, I'm, I'm rocking a crossbow. So, so you're ready to go. I was ready to go. I was cocked and locked. I'm ready to go. Mm. But I wanted my grunt tube, which is in the, my backpack. Now, when I kneel down, I'm pretty small, you know, profile, just how this hill was laying. Like he couldn't really see my whole body. And I took off my hat because you, when moving at this time in this weekend no wait you yeah you have to have an orange hat on when you're moving an archery season when overlapping small game but now that i'm kneeling stationary i took it off flipped it over i didn't want to be a giant pumpkin head sitting there and so i'm sitting there and i'm watching i'm like okay the deer doesn't see me and he's kind of like walking towards this this one trail mm -hmm. and i'm like well what do i do I'm like, well let's just wait out see what happens so he hits the trail he would, he would kind of be walking away from me at this time, but he hits the trail and obviously he can either go right or left. If he goes right, he's walking away from me out of my life. If he goes left, well, that's one decision down. And you still don't have your grunt tube at this point. No, there's no way. I'm not slinging this backpack off. Mm -hmm. The backpack is full 
because I don't walk in with my jackets on. I jam it all in there. So mm. this thing is like, I look like that elementary school kid that just has the backpack, the zipper's about to break. Every and there's, book. And there's no reason why to have that much stuff mm. in a backpack to begin with. Take every book home. <laughs> but it's, it's, yeah. it's jam-packed full. Coats take up a lot of room. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just like, well, let's just see what happens. So anyways, he goes left. Now he hits another crossroad. If he goes right, he's going to be walking the path to my tree stand. Mm. If he goes left, he's going to be coming towards me. And then, well, okay. So he goes, he goes left. At this point, I'm literally just looking at the tops of his antlers and maybe catching his ears mm-hmm. how this hill peaks. And, but he's now, instead of off to my right, he's actually in front of me a little left. Mm-hmm. And every fiber of my being wanted to stand up to see which way he was going. Mm-hmm. But I just said, don't, because he'll see me immediately, mm-hmm. you know, peeking my head up like Jack in the Box. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm like, I, I, I don't know which way he's going. But then I saw the whites inside of his ears. I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's walking my way. Mm-hmm. Well, as he's now he's coming up to like the crest of this hill. I still, like, haven't seen his eyes yet. He has another decision. If he takes a right, he's walking, literally, he would run me over. If he goes left, which would be ideal, I would then eventually have a broadside shot within 10 to 15 yards of it walking on the, after the apex of this, this gentle hilltop. Wow. And as luck would have it, he chose to go right, right down my path. Now, he walked all the way to where I could see, like, everything but maybe the, his little hooves. Wow. And he's facing me. And this deer isn't dumb. He sees this giant yes. just blob sitting in the middle of the trail. <laughs> now, I have, I have the crosshairs right on his brisket. And I'm hoping that... He would turn and I'd get a broadside. But something happened when he stopped and looked at me. He had this this really nice profile, but he had like a nine-inch spread. And I'm like, dang it, he's not he's not as good as I was thinking he was. Mm-hmm. But when you look at him from the side, you're like, that's a respectable deer. I, I, with, with the deer's profile, it should have had something along the terms of 14, 15-inch spread. Mm-hmm. But now this thing just looks like yeah. this. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there. I'm like, well, it's your move. I, I've never practiced an uphill 10-yard front-on shot. And I'm like, ah, oh, gosh. You know, if, and I, I hate to be this way, but I, like I told Todd, if it was a big one, I would have punched it through the cage. Yeah. I would have just went for it. But he's not a big one. And I know that doesn't, that sounds kind of like, I don't know what yeah. you would call it racist towards deer I guess if you have a racist small towards deer. <laughs> I don't know I'll rack, tell you if you're rackism yeah. it's rackism that's what it is yeah but you know because I'm sitting here thinking I'm like you know there's a very good chance I'm going to see a better deer than you by the time the season's over mm-hmm. all said and done whatever that ends in January mm-hmm. but at the time you know what 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 do you do in that situation is is a bird in hand better than two in the bush? Hmm. So I'm I'm looking and I'm thinking. I said to myself, if you turn and give me a good side shot, you're done. 
I'm, I'm, I have a story. I've never shot a deer kneeling down with an arrow. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, he, you were staring right at him. I was, I had him in the scope. How I, close was he? 10 yards, give or take two yards. He could have been eight yards. He could have been 12 yards. That's like right there. That's so close. It was so close. But, you know, I also, you know, I can scrunch into a pretty tight ball. And I'm kind of like knelt down already. I was, I had that. So, I, but you, when he was staring at you straight, you could tell that he was a small rack. Well, yeah, because it, it, a nine inch spread. But mm. when he turns, it, he was, he was better than this. Mm -hmm. I mean, much better than this. I'm holding up a, a rack that was given to me. Um, to use for rattling antlers, just so anyone, because no one else is going to know but me in Vance what mm -hmm. this looks like. But it, it would have looked like, you know, a, a solid 100, 105 inch mm -hmm. eight point yeah. from a profile. But when you do a head on, you're like, ooh, this really hurts your score. Yeah. So, as luck would have it, he decided to just like spin around on his back legs and go down the trail going. Mm -hmm. towards the stand mm -hmm. so i'm like okay well that made up my mind so i continue to walk silently as silent as i can the leaves were kind of crunchy and i make it so at this time i'm about a third away my to my stand where i knelt down Jeez. i go about another third of the way down and vance you may or may not remember this you know where the little pond is that we have in the woods oh probably not no okay very dark we i'm about another third of the way there and I'm looking off to my left because there's, there's a, a gentle hill off to my left and sometimes I can see deer there. And I see a deer coming to perpendicular to the trail I'm going. And I'm looking, I'm like, ooh, it's a buck. So, so you see two I, bucks I, I assume the walk. position, I kneel down. Yeah. And I'm looking, I'm like, this buck's going pretty good. And I look, you know, I'm just sitting there staring at him. He's, he's out, again, probably 60 to 80 yards. Behind him is another deer. Ooh, it's a buck. Really? Yeah. And I'm like, what the heck? So scope him. I'm gonna I'm gonna rearrange the story a little bit just to just to add drama to the to what's happened. So Todd's gonna say you flipped this. The back deer was the deer I just had the scope on mm -hmm. at ten yards. Mm -hmm. So he just kind of like went off whatever. He wasn't really worried about me, but he didn't like what was going on. Mm -hmm. So that. So he's there, but the front deer gets to the trail and kind of stops. I pick up the scope, I zoom it up to 10, I look at him. Nice left antler, big, you know, not big. A, a, a shooter deer in my book. Mm -hmm. And uh, But his right antler was the same, you know, it would be symmetrical, I would say, but it's literally hanging on the side of his head. Busted out of his skull, hanging by a flap of skin. No way. I, I'm going to show you pictures. It was, I'm like, that is so cool. Yeah. I, you know, I, I didn't get a look to see, like, if it, if it's hanging by a flap of skin, it had to have broken the skull. Yeah. So is his brain exposed? <laughs> I have trail camera photos of this. So if anybody says that I'm lying, I will send them trail camera photos of this deer. And it happened... I thought it might have happened right before I got up there because I'm walking really slow mm -hmm. thinking, okay, well, I just saw one buck. I just saw the same buck again, another buck. Well, I got one with, you know, a massive head wound and 
is there a really big one around here somewhere that did this to this guy? Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, I'm like, it must have just been my... I just bombed the place with doe asterisks. Yeah. And that's why these deer are cruising mm. all around. I mean, it could have been coincidental. I don't know. It's really hard to pinpoint. It's kind of like, is one muskie a pattern? Mm -hmm. Anyway, so he hits the trail. Yeah. He hangs a left, and he, he's walking out. The buck behind him comes up to the trail and stops, spins a 180, runs back the way he came. I'm like, okay, whatever. Well, I'm like, maybe I can get to my stand before... He gets all the way around this hill, this, the way this hill is. So I get not 20 more steps, and that buck must have spun a 180 and come flying back across the trail. So it, like, double back twice. Yeah. So now I literally saw this deer, like, three times in 15 minutes. Oh now, you know, I wouldn't say that I saw him two different times on a normal circuit, but he literally was over the hill and gone and then turned around and came back. Mm -hmm. And... He was gone, and then I ended up, you know, I got up in the stand. I saw a couple more bucks that night, and no shots, nothing. But I'm thinking Saturday is going to be great. I go out there Saturday, and same deal. I'm seeing little bucks. I could have, this was neat. I had a, I had a couple doe come in, and then I had a six-point come in with them. And it's not a legal deer for me to shoot. And the six point goes and hits where my, my little scrape area where I dropped my drag, you know, the, the morning before. And the doe walk by it, they don't care. Mm -hmm. The little buck hits it and it's like someone shot at him. He just did like this eight inch drop and he's like looking around all nervous. And I'm mm -hmm. like, well, that's not a promising sign that if yeah. you're looking for ladies, you smell a lady and you're getting scared. <laughs> <laughs> and uh so anyways he 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 took off then i i saw a four point and a three point and th these are kind of interesting um i have never all the four points i've seen usually the horns come up and they fork this four point was a spike with brow tines mm. so i've never oh. seen I've, I've never seen that before and i'm like that's so crazy not a half hour, hour later, here comes a three-point, a spike with one brow time. Wow. I'm like, oh, wow, what's the chances of me seeing that? Mm -hmm. I've never seen it in whatever, 20 years of hunting. Mm -hmm. And then I, I've seen essentially what might very well be the same genetics on two young bucks. Mm -hmm. So that kind of wrapped up. Mm -hmm. I don't think there were any more crazy stories for the archery season. Um for that but okay so i can't believe you didn't put that one down and that went out last uh last saturday right what it went out yeah six days ago five days ago okay yeah 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 so this would have been the week before so it hadn't been two weeks two weeks tomorrow it would mm -hmm. be and uh then i did i i hunted some and then i pulled the camera cards the other the other day and it's just it's like clockwork it's murphy's law I have a, a, a really decent eight point, like one of the, I wouldn't say it's a better eight point I got on camera, but for just a roaming buck mm. at like four o'clock last Thursday, mm. just walk right by broadside 20 yards. <laughs> I'm like, crap. Yeah. But I was getting ready yeah. to go to Kentucky. So. Oh my God. But yeah, it was just crazy. I could have, I could have punched one. You know, I've, you left deer to find deer. 
maybe, but <laughs> yeah. it's it's really you know it's not an ethical shot with a an arrow. Mm-hmm. If I had my odd six, it'd be a little different. Mm-hmm. Or if I had any rifle, yeah, because it doesn't matter. I mean, I, I you could have put a two by four in front of it, and I still would have shot him. Mm-hmm. But uh, I can't believe you were sitting there, and that buck walked up on you. And you well, didn't the drop fact, it. Well, it it's, it's always seems to be. So are you are you hesitant to put one right through the cage like that with, with a bow? I've never studied the anatomy and shot placement of an uphill shot frontal. It's probably you look it up, and they'll say not recommended. They think that you'll shoot above the vitals, or it's just you know you're, you're going mean, to be hitting. You, I mean, if you're, you're going to hit, be hitting where your ribs meet. Yeah. If not, I mean, at that point, you go off to the side a little bit, and you might just snake that right up between its shoulder and its outside of its rib cage. I, I guess they. So you think you'll hit the diaphragm that connects the? the well, rib cage. I mean, I my my concern would be penetration on the front. You know, just. I don't really know what... Well, why not just put it through the neck? I don't know. That's just typically not a shot you take. I mean, the neck would have been an option, but I'm not... Not with a bow. I mean, totally different with a gun. I mean... Right. Yeah, but when I said an option, if that deer would have, like, had, like, red glowing eyes and foam out of its mouth, Mm -hmm. and it was starting to, like, paw at the ground like he was going to charge like a bull, (laughs) I would... That would definitely be an option. Yeah. I would have at least had one shot before I would have been scrambling for my concealed <laughs> weapon. Yeah. Um, it was buried in your pack. Oh, I can get to that pack pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> if it's going to charge. <laughs> but, yeah, so it's just it's just not something you, you practice for because it's just probably not ethical on many levels. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, let's get to my little Kentucky story. So, I went down. I had this, this trip booked for... At least two years, and it, it came up. Just it, it came at a really stressful time with with the move, and just keeping that house jumping through all the hoops to get the other house. When you when you booked this trip, you had no idea any of this was going to be happening. No, I mean, yeah, it's just one of those things that you, yeah, when you book it, I mean, you, you didn't think. I mean, this time last year. I had owned the property. You'd owned the property. But I, I thought that you you guys were pushing off a build until maybe next year. It wasn't up to me. That's I, all that's, I'm I, mean, but I, I remember you. I remember you thinking that way, though. I I, I swear that I, I I wanted another year, but this came up. It, it this house went up so fast. We we literally. I mean, not to get off the topic of deer hunting. This house, we broke ground, I think, the first week of June. We mm-hmm. could have moved in in October. Oh, so you do this house, and you, you put all this time in, into, these, into this archery season. Mm-hmm. As always, I, you know, I think you probably hit it harder than you've ever hit. In terms of, uh, you know, for, for us knowing each other, I hit it harder this year than I did last year. Mm-hmm. And I hit it harder, yeah, probably in the last two years. I hit, well, obviously, last year, I shot my deer in three hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but so this, it was a short season. Yeah. But this, this house is taken away from some of the hunting time. Yeah. And, I, it, and I, I swear, yeah, like, when you book that hunt, 
you did not think that I would be worried about putting in a five acre yard, trying to finish a yeah. podcast studio, a new pole barn, a paint booth, mm-hmm. all that stuff, worrying about you know, opening, unlocking doors in the old house mm-hmm. for different tests and inspections mm-hmm. and blah, 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 blah. And I mean, and this hunt came like right. The absolute worst smack, time. Yeah, smack like, okay, we were moving all our furniture out. When I come home, I, we're closing in five days and that's it. Quite literally, yes. Yeah. And, but like, <laughs> what I'm telling people so is. So trips like that do a lot on the mind I mean oh gosh and I mean it, it's like you can't really get away and concentrate on hey I'm gonna have a good time now it would have been really nice if you would have moved in and then had the clo- if, if, if yeah if the closing on the old house mm-hmm. because like the closing is like literally what it says it's the closing of that chapter mm-hmm. meaning I've already got all my junk out of there yeah and now it can be like, okay... Do that, boom, you're in the new house. And the then you're house. like, okay, I'm going away for a couple days. Yeah, Vance can turn around and see part of my moving right there. Mm-hmm. And, but once, you know, once you're moved in, you can pick away at those piles. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so I got a lot on my plate leaving. But it's not like I booked this, mm-hmm. you know, in October and say, hey, by the way, mid-November, see you later for a week. Yeah. And uh, so anyways... <laughs> Just terrible timing, but I had it booked. I was looking forward to it. And I had, I went with a group of four guys. It was myself, my father, my father's friend Bob, and my brother-in-law, Steve. He married my sister. And they wanted to, the first day of the hunt was Saturday, open a rifle, Kentucky. Talking with the owner, Tevis, of Whitetail Heaven, just chatting with him about, you know, where we're going. This is becoming a pretty big operation, this Whitetail Heaven. Check them out on Facebook. They're just, they're stacking them up, but it's not what people think it is. The, the photos, the photos are all real. I touched some of those deer that, that are on those photos. They're giants. But in order to get those giants, some people get lucky. Like, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell the story of the 14-pointer. And some people work and grind at it. It's, it's very comparable to, to the musky fishing, you know, analogy. Mm-hmm. And uh, so anyways, my dad, Bob, and Steve made a plan to leave on Thursday. Now, from where we're at, the main lodge is seven hours and change. And talking with Tevis, he kind of led me to want to go... Off of what he what he told me, he says it's lower deer density, but generally the bucks on average are larger than at main camp. If we went to the north camp, well, the advantage of the north camp for us is it's roughly two hours closer, mm-hmm. and I would have to, I could then skip two cities, major cities, Lexington and Cincinnati. So then I only have to deal with the Cleveland and Columbus, which aren't bad. You you skirt Cleveland and you just punch right through Columbus. Mm-hmm. So. Anyway, so we decide there, but that kind of, it doesn't really mess my dad, Bob, and Steve up. They, they went on, like, they made their own, like, distillery tour. Mm-hmm. They stopped at all these d- distilleries mm-hmm. around that area, but then they just had to do, like, a little, instead of taking a short drive at the last distillery to Nicholasville, they now have to do a longer drive to 
Aberdeen, Ohio. It's always nice to have the longer drive after you're hammered. At I don't think that they were hammered. I think they just went okay. toward the plants. Oh, nice. Because they, they went and looked at all this whiskey stuff. Yeah. That is not something that's <laughs> like you do taste tests. <laughs> you get blasted and then drive and hunt. Exactly. Well, some people in camp, but oh, okay, I'll, I'll talk about that when, once we get there. So anyways, I said I'm leaving Friday because of just I have home obligations. So I left Friday morning. Now, instead of having to think of a seven and a half hour drive, I'm dealing with a five and a half hour drive. So I, I, could, I could drag my feet a little bit. I get on the road all by myself. It's great. I put on some podcasts and just mm-hmm. break down. Get there right on time. My dad, he pulls in, you know, he gets out, he goes, how long you been here? I'm like, a minute and a half. Mm. I like literally closed the door <laughs> and started walking like around just to see what's up. I mm. haven't even stepped foot in the building. Yeah. Big, beautiful log cabin. They just got it. And, and they're running um, Ohio archery hunts at, at, at this time. They're running Ohio archery hunts and prepping for the Kentucky opener. And they're literally... Their property touches the Ohio River, so they just got to cross a bridge in there in Kentucky. It's mm-hmm. just it's a great location to hit those two states. And uh, so, anyways, we get in. We we got, you know, they 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 try to bunk four guys per room, and you know, accommodations like the atmosphere is is five star. The you know the beds they're single beds. They got one pillow. They got a comforter. You stay warm. You sleep. That's what you're doing, and. Uh, Food, excellent food. They, they got everything ready. Big dinners. You know, the breakfast is pretty much, they make some like breakfast sandwich, roll it in tin foil, put a whole bunch of them in the oven. If you want one, open up the oven, grab it, eat it. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, this, this ain't a social event. Mm-hmm. You're going there to hunt. And then you can grab some sandwiches, throw them in your pack, do whatever for lunch. But they generally, you know, they want you to sit in the stand all day long. You're there to hunt, not jack around. Mm-hmm. And they want to see you succeed, obviously, because it better makes you happy. Business. You you talk better about stuff, you know, mm-hmm. but it's there's no guarantee. Mm-hmm. So the first day, um, our guide's name is Rick, and he kind of like manages the North Camp. Mm-hmm. Tevis is the owner. He kind of bounces between. They have like three camps there. They have the West Camp, the Main Camp, and the North Camp. And... But Rick, I remembered Rick from the shed hunt. We went on the shed hunt. He was there. And I just, he has this strong Boston accent that, I don't know why. I must not hear it that much. But it's just like, I really enjoy hearing you talk with that Boston accent. Wicked. And uh, so. (laughs) Wicked. Wicked. Wicked awesome. (laughs) We're. They want us to be ready to leave by 4.30 a.m. So that means we have four guys. and we're, It, it kind of works out to where four to eight guys will share one bathroom. And it's not that big of a you know, thing. We had a bathroom attached to our room. So we're like, okay, everyone knows they got to get up. Who's going to take a shower this morning? Who's going to take one at night? Who's going to do this and that? So... We get up at like 3.30. Or everyone has their alarm set at 3.30, but we're so pumped. We were like up at like 3 o'clock without the alarms, getting up, getting ready. And then they, so we're ready. We head out, and they will take you to like a landing spot, and they'll say, listen, the stand's up that way. They have those little reflector tacks. You follow the trail. It's well lit. 
you, you have to make sure, you know, you have to have a safety harness on and they, they have like this, you know, so you don't fall and break your neck. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I get up into my stand, nice brand new River's Edge comfortable stand, sitting there and I have come to the realization that I've never sat in a, a stand anywhere in, in nighttime. I mean, it was a full moon, it was kind of clear sky, so you kind of have an idea of the major land features. I'm sitting there, I'm like, I don't know where anything is right now. Mm -hmm. I'm 30 minutes from civilization. Mm -hmm. And I'm just sitting here, I'm like, oh, it's going to get light sometime. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> you, you just, you, what else can you do? I mean, you're sitting there and it's cold. This is, they're starting to get their first frosts. Mm -hmm. And we're thinking that the year are going to be all fired up. So I'm sitting there and it's just starting to get light. I'm starting to make out shapes. I look off to my left. Rick told me, he goes, that stand is facing kind of down. What, to describe the stand location, I'm kind of towards the top of what I guess you would call a mountain. Mm -hmm. It's not a giant mountain. but And in front of me, 40 yards, are the starts of like the cuts of grooves for valleys for like the water, the runoff. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of like at the point to where it just the water isn't running so fast that it cuts so I got all these like fingers mm -hmm. coming to me but I didn't know it until about noon where I was really at because I don't know why I just you're, you just never pay attention to that you're looking for deer so anyways it's starting to get light out Rick did tell me he goes make sure you look behind you to your left he goes the deer will cross there mm -hmm. and it's I'm pretty much sitting on like like the slope and a ton of oak trees I've never seen so many oak trees in my life. And so I'm sitting there and I'm just like, I look over. Well, before I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to backtrack some. I'm walking in. We, we drop two guys off that are literally down the, the, the valley from me. They're not like I can see them, but we're set up to pretty much watch this whole basin or mm -hmm. half of a basin, I should say. Just the hunters that we had that were under Rick's command. And uh, we get going, we we're starting to just pull back out on the road, and this, I think it was a white truck, pulls up, rolls the window down, and the kid's like, hey, we're going to be hunting over there, you know, just in there. And he's like, well, stay on your property. You know, they're managing these deer. They don't want trespassers and stuff, mm -hmm. so. They're like, okay, yeah, don't worry about us. So anyways, he goes up, drops me off. I'm in the stand, blah, blah, blah. I look off to my left. Well, I'm walking in. And I, I have a little baby LED flashlight. You remember that one? Mm -hmm. That barely puts off any light. Mm -hmm. And I'm flying through the woods with it, mm -hmm. leaving the sticks to hit you in the eye. Yes, that was nice. Yeah, well, you learned. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> you his, his phone light. I was. <laughs> you were, I'm sure you My were. dad has a headlamp that has, like, 300 lumens, and he keeps changing color. I'm like... You were trying to like not be seen getting into the stand. Yeah, you you you're all about that they stealth. They think there's fireworks going off. No yeah. no light no heat. Hey, you got to do what you got to do. You were probably pissed. I went down and took a piss. No, that doesn't bother me. That's something you literally can't control. But however, I'm gonna say this. I'm I have gonna, an I'm uncontrollable gonna, bladder. I hunted three complete days over 12 hours in the stand i peed at probably 
4 o'clock a.m. Those three nights, I did not pee till after 7 o'clock p.m. A history of kidney stones hey, this, this guy has here. I'm not trying to and brag. He's, he's That's bragging, impressive. bragging about not no, peeing. No water. No water. <laughs> I, I, what I drank in the stand that first day, Vance, look at your water bottle. Yeah. That water bottle, that the airspace yeah. was half of that. I literally took two sips. That's terrible. It was, but I was excited. It's unhealthy. <laughs> Kidney stones, man, here. Yeah, okay, so anyways, what I'm talking about is... <laughs> I'm walking in, and I look over to my left, and I see... It, it kind of reminded me of, like, a scene you'd see from the X-Files show, where there's just, like, it's pitch black, and you see two flashlights zinging around everywhere. Mm. These two clowns are, like, walking up this drainage to me. And I'm like, well, whatever. So I get up in the stand. I'm watching them. And, like, the one kid's, like, flashing it around. Like, he's, like, never been there in his life. Like, looking, is this a good place to sit? Then he takes his boots and starts scraping, like, a spot. And then he just plops his butt down. And the other guy... Where are you hunting? Let's say this. I probably could have held the gun, no rest, and shot the kid. He was within probably 150 yards, Mm -hmm. which, you know, I'm like, oh, great. I'm not even in the stand. I mean, did they put him there? No, that was the people that pulled up and, hey, we're going to hunt over here. Yeah. Now, Boston uh, Boston Rick was like, that's fine. That's not our lease. You Mm. can do what you want if you have permission. Mm. Anyway, so I'm I'm sitting in the stand and... These two clowns are over there. And I texted Rick. I said, I have two guys probably 150 yards from me. Mm-hmm. Might, might have been 120 yards. Mm-hmm. And he says, don't worry about them. Don't let it ruin your hunt. He goes, they're, by the sounds of it, it sounds like they're on the neighbor's land. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it sucks. I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not complaining. I'm just filling you in on what's happening. I'm like, I hunt in Pennsylvania. I generally will see another hunt. Used to this. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, so anyways... So that's 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 happening over there, mm-hmm. and I'm, I now getting back to I look left and I see a doe. I'm like, where did you come from? Forty fifty yards away. And I'm like, well, this is this is neat. I'm like, cool. I'm seeing a deer already, and I don't know what I did. I like look straight for a little bit. I might have just like repositioned my butt on the seat and I look over, and I see the silhouette. Of a really nice eight point rack. Really nice. And I'm like, oh geez, this is gonna be a crazy day. Mm. I have a doe followed by, I'm gonna probably put it at a 130 inch eight point based off of what I saw. Now, it's, I'm not seeing it clear as day. My eye is still like. You can't shoot at this point. This is where it gets... I just can't give a straight yes or no answer on this. If you said, Andy, we're starving, shoot that buck so we can eat it, Mm -hmm. I could have shot that thing all day. Mm -hmm. However, I can't really identify what the buck really is with, you know, they they really want you to shoot a deer of a minimum 140 inches. Mm -hmm. And... So I can't really identify it. I'm kind of hoping that they're going to like mill around and, and do whatever. But they kind of walked off their own little way. Say one that comes in hypothetically is no doubt 140 plus. 
at this shoot time. at this time? Is it is it light enough yet? I I know I could shoot to hit it, but I don't know what's around me. And as it got lighter out, I had a bunch of scrubby oak brush mm. between me and the deer. Mm. So like if I would have shot an arrow at it, more than likely that arrow would have never reached him. Mm-hmm. Now a bullet, you might be able to tumble it through it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so like it's getting light out and so I see those deer, two deer go by. And now I'm starting to like see color and see these deep cut ravines coming in and out and looking around and I don't know, it's probably around 11, 11.30. Look off to my right. And I see a kid wearing orange walking towards me. And I'm like, what? This is crazy. I'm like, well, okay, screw it. Pull my phone out. Turn on the video camera. I start videoing him. And the kid's walking, 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 walking. And he gets 50 yards. Like, he's right there. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's walking. And then he just, like, looks up and just freezes. He goes, hey, man, what's up? Like, he, he really got startled that he just saw this guy mm. wearing an orange vest and a hat mm-hmm. sitting in a tree looking at him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, little close, aren't you? Mm. He goes, I'm on my property. And I'm like, are you sure about that? He goes, yeah, I own this land. I'm like, where's the, where's the boundary? Mm. And uh, he goes, well, it's right here. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm like, all right. He goes, did you buy that land? And I'm like, no. You know, I'm not going to sit here and entertain this guy. By He's like, do you know Mark so-and-so? Or, you know, Bill or Bob or whatever? Mm. I don't even know. And I'm just sitting there texting. I'm just like, Rick, mm. that guy's talking to me. He's 50 yards. Is he over the property line yet? Mm. And at this point, even still, it's not ruining my hunt at this point. But it's just... Oh, so That's, that's so annoying, he, man. He, he's talking to me. And I'm just sitting on the phone texting and, you know, he told me he was the owner, and he's like, I've been hunting this land for four years now. <laughs> Great. You know, congratulations. Four. Four. Four years. For four years. And then he kind of, like, turns, and being the landowner, he must have got skittish from me, and he kind of, like, walked really fast <laughs> to, like, a slow trot away. Mm-hmm. And I Back see onto the property. Back onto where he was at disappeared in one of those things then i see i kind of knew where his buddy was a little bit further you know like if i'm looking straight ahead it's noon his buddy was probably at like four o'clock so i'm like looking over to see what happens and i see a little orange character walk over to that guy and then the two orange characters walking back down and so they left they started to and i got a text back from rick he goes where are they now Mm mm-hmm he goes, I'm going to kill them. <laughs> that was like in the text. <laughs> so I said, he left maybe, you know, five minutes ago. I said, I saw him get his buddy and they're walking to the road. And he goes, you might hear some screaming. Yeah. <laughs> he met him. He waited for them at their truck. Really? And he had another hunter in the truck. And mm-hmm. he's like, the other hunter's just like, holy crap. <laughs> he tore them a new one. Yeah. He's like, don't you ever mess with my hunters again. Yeah. It's just, he's, he's the bulldog. He has to protect his clients. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, it didn't really mess with me, but I appreciate it. I feel bad. And he's like, 
that kid ain't gonna bother you ever again. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, I think it was I mean, an was honest mistake. Was he on it? Whose property was he? he on? From my understanding, because before Rick came, he had called the landowner two times, talked to him two times. When I told why him, is that, initially, why does that crap always happen, honey? It's like you, okay, I have a hundred acres. Why are people always on the dam, right on the line? Why know. do people always hunt on the line? Why does this stuff? Because the grass is greener. Yeah, but I mean, a hundred acres in these guys. You you hear it here in PA. You hear it all over the damn place. You're right on the damn property line. I I can't tell you, but I know this much. I mean, it's insane. There were 22 rifle hunters, roughly, in the camp, and they were we were hunting over 9,000 acres. 9,000 acres. Now, now, now Tevis has 40,000 leased. But what this camp hunts out of in Kentucky, he told me, was 9,000 acres. So, I mean, we're not dealing with, I'm not looking over and waving to another guy at camp. I'm literally, I could. So that even makes it even crazier. 9,000 acres for 22 hunters. And he has that 9,000, but then on the other guy that owns the other property, they're right on. They're, they're hunting literally on the line. But. Yeah. Why is that happening? I don't Everywhere know. in hunting. I mean, it's. I couldn't tell you, but. Oh my God. The density of hunters on op- on it, it's just not what Pennsylvania is. I'm you know we're literally relying on natural deer movement to get these deer to move. Yeah, you know? mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know it didn't ruin my hunt. I, I sat there all day. Oh, I would I would have been annoyed. I would have been annoyed. But I mean, it's I look at it as what can you literally do? That was completely out of control from anything of. Whitetail heaven. Sure. But, I mean, it still happened. The thing that would have really scared the kid is if he would have looked up and I had the rifle shouldered. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Boy, you better come go back to where you came from. I mean, that's still annoying, dude. I would have been been pretty... I mean, could it have affected the hunting? Not not like annoyed at Whitetail heaven. I would have just been annoyed for what I just expressed about, like, all these acres. And I'm sitting here looking at two schmucks. On a damn right. property line. And, and, you know, this property, it's, it's, it is, I guess if you were a hunter, it would be desirable. Just the cuts, the draws, the terrain makes it very challenging to, like, develop the property. Mm-hmm. So it's literally, it's just, you own the land to have the land. Now, there might be some, you know, oil in them hills or something like that. But yeah. it, in terms of, it's not going to be residential unless you're willing to put... 10 times the amount to get it to where you can actually do something with it yeah. as you would a normal lot that you would want to, you know, mm-hmm. flatter ground. So, you know, whatever. That is what it is. And so the as the sun starts setting, I had two doe come in from my right. And it's just like I'm sitting there and I hear the leaves rustling. It's too dark to really shoot. But again, if you said, Andy, we need meat, we're starving, I could have punched one of them. Mm-hmm. And... It's like they got to where I'm like, oh, I'm kind of see you. And they're blowing. I'm like, how'd you know I'm even here? Mm-hmm. I just turned my head just a little bit. Well, anyway, so they, they take off. That's day one. And uh, so I saw four deer. I'm like, well, it's a little slower. but it's Four deer, two people. Four deer, two people. And uh, <laughs> day two comes along. And what did I do? They said, they, they recommended that I went back to the same stand. Now, day one, you're going on adrenaline, you know, because we were told the area that we were in houses 
big buck. At least one big buck. And, and, and so the big buck was essentially a mainframe 12, but it had two pretty decent stickers on it. So they call it the 14. And talking with the guys that were down the draw from me, the one guy, you know, it's just that some stands are more comfortable for some people and some are not others. And, and these clamp-on stands are really rough on people. Um, there's some that are comfortable, but when you've got a big cushy ladder stand, mm -hmm. it's just nice. more comfortable. And uh, the one guy who was hunting this clamp-on, he, he has a really bad back. Like so bad, he put off his back surgery to go hunting. Three fractured vertebrae, a couple discs that are like worn through. This guy's in pain, and you know Rick was saying, just stick it out to eleven thirty. There's a giant running around here. Well, he gets down. You know, he lasted as long as he could. He get down, and he went to the spot, and that's when that one hunter that was with him, when Rick confronted those two guys, um, he was telling us about. He got down and was just sitting there waiting for Rick to come up and, and grab him and the other guy and the other clamp on stand. And he started hearing two bucks go at it. Like, I guess up over a hill. I don't, I don't know what the hill looks like. He says it was the hardest fighting that he'd ever heard between two deer. And I brought up the point. I said, didn't you think to take a walk up that hill? <laughs> if you're hearing two bucks just yeah. slamming into each other, those deer can't see. Those deer can't hear. Yeah, they're just thinking of fighting. They're just, they, their eyes are most likely closed or towards the ground. Anyways. So they didn't go up? No, the one the one hunter did see the buck, and I guess it took off. And then Rick texted me, he goes, "Hey, that deer ran your direction. We're not sure if it crossed the road or not." I ended up not seeing it. So, anyways, the next day. So that was day two. That was day one. That was Saturday. Oh, day okay. two's coming now. My my brother in law Steve texted. He did not want to be in a clamp on stand, and he was put in a clamp on stand the first day by mistake, and Tevis showed up and he says listen I'm, we're sorry that we put you in that stand um would you like to have a stand over here where this big buck is and Steve's like of course well then rick was like we can't put him there that's a clamp-on stand mm -hmm. so they took another another kid and put him in that clamp-on stand so i get in my stand bright and early and there's a big thick fog and it's so thick like you really can't see at distances to like nine o'clock, mm -hmm. you know, like three hours of sun beating down on it to really burn it through. Mm -hmm. And it came in a couple waves. Well, anyways, at seven o'clock, I'm sitting there and down the gully, like that was one of our hunters had to be, I texted Rick because I have cell service on the hill. I don't know what they have down there. Mm -hmm. You'll go from full service to nothing, mm -hmm. literally in just a bump in the road. Mm -hmm. So I said, Rick, I, I heard a close shot. I said, I think it was one of the guys in the clamp on. You know, he's like, thanks for the heads up, whatever. I don't hear nothing, whatever. I finally text Rick. I said, did the guy get a deer? He goes, oh, yeah. I said, what was it? He goes, it was the 14. Oh, my God. And I'm like, how big was it? <laughs> he's like, it's back at camp. We scored at 175. He says it had a broken G3 on, I think, the left antler. And he, as the story goes on, they believe they broke it. He biting. broke it biting the day before. Yeah. The kid was in the stand less than an hour. And as the story went... So your brother-in-law could have shot this deer. If if he, if he it would have been like, yeah, if they would have switched places. But at that point, you know, you just can't say yes. Everything would have worked out the same. Just 
two people would have switched. But yes, that's where the deer was. And I mean, that was the stand. He just that didn't, was he didn't stand. sit in it because it was a clamp on. He would have. You know, it kind of is one of these things. He goes, man, if I would have known that deer was there, I would have sat in a clamp on. <laughs> but he he yeah. made he made this comment. He's like, I really didn't want to be in a clamp on stand. So Rick did what he requested and moved him to a ladder stand, even though Tevis said to go there. Okay, so, but, for everybody that's listening, if he would have sat in the clamp on stand, he probably would have had a shot at that He deer. would have had a shot at that deer. Now, if, if, yeah, if all things considered, it'd be like, if I was casting out the back of your boat, and you're casting out the front, and I hook into a 50 and land it, it'd be like, well, if I was casting in the front, and you were in the back of your boat, would you have caught that fish? It's easy to, to switch roles, I mean, but you never know. I guess the story went, the deer was like really close and he caught movement between these trees and he picked up his binoculars and through the fog he saw several points, put the binoculars down, picked up and shot it, not knowing it was a booner. He just shot it because he saw a bunch of points. Like he was, he was a younger kid. After he shot that deer, I guess like five or six other bucks followed suit behind them, like a bachelor group of bucks in mid-November. And now we're like, what's going on with these deer? Because that shouldn't be what's happening. The kid did say that one of the bucks was a really big buck that followed you mm-hmm. know, the, the deer he shot. So at that point, another guy came in and hunted the, one of the two clampons down there. And he, he, just made it a mission to sit there mm-hmm. and I went I, I saw I saw some I think I saw like eight doe that day nothing really moving midday but day two really was grinding on me it was not physically tough hunting it was mentally tough hunting to stay there stick to the plan you're you're you know, you could get down. I never got down out of the stand. There's some guys that say, yeah, I get down around 1130. Stretch, do a couple push-ups, take my backpack, sleep for a half hour, hour, eat a lunch down there. Because the, the freedom of movement really does help. It's like you're caged up there. Well, I screw this. I'm strong. And it, it <laughs> wore on me. It was, it was a tough sit. Mm-hmm. And uh, so anyways... Rick told me once they get that booner, they were they wanted that 14 point more than anything. They didn't want it to go on a neighbor's land and have someone else shoot it. He says, if we get that deer, we're we're getting out of this lease. We're 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 leaving this area, not drop the lease. They're just moving us out of that area and let some other people come in there and hunt. That was his plan mm-hmm. for us, poor hunters. So day three comes along. Well, I get back to camp and I'm like, where's this buck at? And they're like, the, the kid is already in Indiana. He, he, he shot that, that buck and he packed up his stuff, I think, with his dad. And they went to the West Camp and then they're shotgun hunting Indiana. Mm-hmm. It's just like this. And I'm, I'm shocked at how many people are literally camp hopping yeah. to do this. And uh, so anyways, day three comes along. They put me in a different spot. So those guys are shooting buck. Trying to shoot buck all over the place. Tevis has this thing going. I think he calls it the Triple Crown. The first guy to shoot a 150 in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana gets a free hunt in every state. 
That's incredible. That's incredible. So th- there's people that are just jockeying around trying to get their How one. far was the Indiana one? I would imagine it's probably a three-hour drive. I'm guessing. I don't know. So anyways, day three comes along. I'm in a new spot. Same deal. I'm walking in. Well, I'm now the first guy to get dropped off. I got dropped off in this stand. That, you know, they, they drove me back through this field. And they said, listen, follow the tax code. Same, same spiel. It's, it's probably... That, that would be really hard to do for me. What's that? Like, just follow this tax. It's not... I, if you have a flashlight, it's not hard. They reflect the light back. Especially a low-light emitting one that Andy has. It's really weird not, not, not ever being there, you know? That's just totally... Yeah, I mean, you I have no option at this point. Before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so different. That would be crazy. So th- there's a couple amusing things I liked about walking back to this one stand. It, uh, so I'm following the tax. Now, I was the first one to get dropped off. And Rick said, because you're the first, you're the last guy to get picked up. Mm-hmm. I, I got in the stand no later than 5.30 a.m. I had over an hour to sit there essentially in moonlight and just think about life. <laughs> just sit there and yeah. not be able to do anything. But anyway, so the walk back, I'm, okay, there's attack, there's attack. It's well, it'd be very hard to not follow the trail. But I'm kind of going through this, this forest and all of a sudden I start noticing like cedar trees start like going on the left and right of me. And this trail is, I'm going to probably say 40 feet wide, maybe. Not even, 30, 40 feet and it's starting to get goldenrod-like. And one of the, and this is what I find amusing. One of the tacks was stuck on a goldenrod. The tack's head was bigger than the goldenrod itself. <laughs> I'm just like, I could step on that and make, make someone's day really, really bad. Really <laughs> so that was one of them. And then I kind of like, okay, where's, the, they say the tripod, it was a tripod stand, is around here somewhere. And I'm looking, I hit the light and they put two tacks by this by the tree near the stand at a distance that makes you think a wild animal is looking back at you. Mm. And I'm just like, Whoa. <laughs> I stop and I'm looking, I'm like, okay, you're gonna move? Yeah. You, you know, so normally they put three or four tacks to say, hey, end point here, but they just did two on this one. Whether it was on purpose or not, I don't know. But it was just <laughs> I'm walking in and I'm like, I got like an hour before it's even starting to get, I got an hour and a half before I can see what this is. Mm-hmm. And well, Sasquatch like, is staring at you. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm, I'm in the middle of nowhere. I'm a half mile off the road. And I'm just like, well, I'll rack one in. But, <laughs> rack one in. Anyways, it was just the stand. So I climb up in the stand, I get comfy. So, and this, this was a really neat stand in that I'm at, Looking straight ahead, you're looking across this trail, and then if you look to the right, it's the way I came. There's cedars on both sides, and the, the golden run, and you look off to the left, and it's... I don't know if I sent you guys the photo of my view. Yeah, you did. Yeah, off to the left, it's it's like a bigger golden run, and it opens up, and I'm like, well... Mm-hmm. Golden rod and green, big bushy trees. Big cedar trees yeah. scattered in this, this field, and so I'm, I'm sitting there, and it's it's cold. It's big, thick frost on everything, and it's probably in the upper teens. It's 
Vance, you would not have fared well. I would have fared just fine. I'm. Uh, th- this I truck. Been freezing. You would have been freezing. <laughs> you would have been freezing. And I was, you know, I had an hour to sit there before the sun even thought about coming. I mean, an hour and a half before the sun even, because twilight is like a half hour before sunrise. Yeah. Where you can start picking up stuff. So anyways, I'm looking off to my left. It's starting to get light out. And I see a doe hit this little opening by in in that. What froze first on you? It's usually your toes. But because I had such a nice walk, it, my my feet were, were decent. But it's normally the top of my thighs and your toes. That's what gets me. Did and then they, your, your did hands. Did they go on you? What can you do? Yeah. I mean, you were, you're in what? Muck boots? I'm in muck boots. I got wool socks. I got sock liners. sock liners. I got, you know, mid layers, base layers. Those mucks? No. No. Like actual muck, like Arctic yeah. Pro stuff. Yeah. You're still cold. You, still, you were still cold. You're still cold. But what can you do? So, anyways, this dough's kind of coming in through the red brush. No right? hand warmers. No. That's what pockets are for. See, I think that you suffer out there purposely. You have to. You know, you got that space heater in your thing out there you don't even use. Moral support. It's just... I don't (laughs) know. Does it spook the deer? No. I just normally... I don't turn it on until I I think the deer activity's down. Hand warmers spook a deer? No. The rifle? They're just a pain. Oh, man. You got more things to juggle. Oh, my. You got to be ready. <laughs> Continue. So, uh, this deer walks, you know, from my left, and I'm like, oh, there's going to be a buck following her. So, I, this tripod stands a little bit tight, so I kind of, like, rotate everything. It's like a big production. So, I'm, like, looking. Again, if I'm looking straight ahead, it's noon. I'm now looking at, like, 1030. Mm-hmm. I'm set up that direction. And I just so happen to... Looked to my right, and I saw the tail of a deer go into the cedars, which would be if I'm looking down that trail on the right. So mm. it, had, it had crossed the trail, and now it's technically behind me. Mm. And I caught a glimpse of it, and I saw three up. Mm. And I'm like, that thing was a buck, and I'm over here looking this way. What the heck? So now I kind of reset up, and I kind of look that way. Mm-hmm. And that buck's not in there for 30 seconds, and I just hear I'm like, that's the deepest grunt I've ever heard. It does it like four times. <clears throat> I can literally not see behind me. If I'm looking at noon and I turn around to six o'clock, you cannot see four feet behind me. Mm. So thick it, it was cedars. So this deer's grunting. And next I hear is just deer footsteps everywhere. It just like blows up with deer running these highways and these cedars behind me. Deer grunting, and now I'm starting to smell rotten buck. Mm -hmm. It's just this perfume in the air. These little deer busting out here, over there, this and that. Deer over the hill are are, 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 uh, snorting at whoever some guy might be changing the transmission in his car (laughs) or something. I don't know what's going on out there. I did hear a guy start up a V8 that had to have like this cam in it that just did not allow it to idles. Yeah. And just, he's just like revving it up. And then I hear it finally getting the gear. <laughs> and just like, burr, 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 and he grabs three gears and is gone. So everything is going crazy, right? Everything's now. going nuts. And these deer are running everywhere. And I just cannot see this, what this buck was. 
So I, I get up, grunt tube, get up the bleed, and I start trying to do something to get him to at least poke his head out so I could see what's going on. That didn't work. So sun comes up, starts getting warm, and I hear footsteps behind me. Okay. Start grunting, start bleating. And I, I worked on this deer for a while, and it finally poked its head out. It was a little four-point. Uh, you know what I'm after. So it goes away. Then I keep doing a little bit more, and then a three-point comes in at what would be 12 o'clock mm-hmm. in front of me. I'm like, oh, okay, this is cool. I'm actually seeing some deer movement midday, third day. I'm feeling good. By this time, all the anxiety of life prior to going hunting is now away, and I'm enjoying hunting. Mm-hmm. So then the sun really comes down, and I, I texted Tevis, and I said, I think I'm going to get sunburned today. Mm-hmm. It's just right on my face. Sun goes all the way down. I don't see another deer. The sun just hits the horizon. Well, I better set up looking where all the deer were this morning. Mm-hmm. And I hear footsteps behind, you know, in those cedars. I'm like, okay. So I honk on the doe lead a little bit. And I'm like, well wonder what's to my left and I look off to my left and there about a hundred yards out is this doe that's now like ears pointing towards me eyes looking at me full alert I'm like that's not what I want right now deer are starting to move and I just gave away my location to a deer standing in a field yeah. that I didn't know was there because mm-hmm. I was looking the wrong way again <laughs> and so I'm like well I can't do nothing I'm I'm turning my head as far as I can with my eyes all the way off to one side and I can just see what she's doing Mm -hmm. and she's keyed in on me. And I'm like, I can't really even adjust from this position. So I'm watching her and the goldenrod behind her starts moving. And I'm like, there's a buck there, has to be a buck. And I'm like, just stay still. She's gonna blow it for me. She's gonna blow it for me. Mm -hmm. And I see antlers above it this it almost looks fake the way the deer is because it's it's buried in this sea of goldenrod Mm -hmm. it's like the the carving of a sea monster on a viking ship yeah it's like not moving it's almost like a deer mount just coming through really yeah it's it's like like it's like nessie and i'm like oh my gosh this is a decent buck and i it's way out there finally the buck gets in into this little clearing where the doe is and I'm like, that doe has to turn around. She's not going to just let that buck come up on her. Mm-hmm. She turns her head, and I'm just like, whoop. And you turn. 160, 180 degrees, I swing real quick. Mm-hmm. She didn't, you know, she didn't see me because mm-hmm. she was looking back. So now I'm set up. And now I'm like, okay, i got to see how big this buck is. By the time I get the scope up on him, he's behind a big cedar tree. And she's swung her head back and now looking at me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, this worked out good. <laughs> then all of a sudden, a doe busts out from that cedar tree, and here comes this buck. His ears are pinned back. He thinks he's cock of the walk. And he gets to where he's a, he's quartering away hard. I mean, he's just quartering away. He's not like a real extreme quarter. And he's about to go back in the goldenrod. And I'm, I have the gun up. I have it on his vitals. And I said, don't take the shot. It's, it's a far shot. I pick my head up, and I said... What am I doing? I'm here. Put back down, back on the vital. Boom. Hit the trigger. Deer crumples up, falls. I swear to God, I thought it was a 20-inch wide deer with 9-inch tines. So you, it you, was, had, you had the scope on the vitals. 
And you, you second-guessed yourself. I second-guessed myself, but this is all... Seconds. Five seconds from when I had him in the scope, I saw the rack, and I went right to the vitals, because you stare at the rack, mm-hmm. you, you make bad judgment calls. Mm-hmm. Well, if you don't look at the rack long enough, and you go right to the vitals, you can also make bad judgment calls, because <laughs> at one point, I, <laughs> I said... <laughs> I literally saw that, and what screwed me up was the fact that he did that stiff-legged puppet walk. His He was puffed up. He was all rutted. His ears were back, so you don't get a good judgment on the, the rack width. And I pretty much said, I have to trust my gut on this and do it. Now, keep in mind, I have probably 40 hours logged. Sitting. sitting in a tree stand, oh my. and this is the best action I've had so far. Because mm-hmm. every, I mean, the camp was struggling because the deer were just not mm-hmm. running like they should be at this time. Yeah. So I climb down this ladder, and I like take off as briskly as I can to this deer. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize this goldenrod's like the perfect height for me to breathe all of the dead leaves that they... <laughs> this goldenrod is so high. I'm like, how many deer did I not see today? Yeah. Because they could just cut right through it. You're walking through there all smiles and getting a face full. And I get up to the deer and I'm like, what did I do? Oh my. And there's a trail camera there and... You know, I, I call up, uh, you know, I'm like... So you're caught on cam... You're, you're on camera. At this well, point. they probably, yeah. You know, but, you know, it is what it is. And <laughs> so I, I, you know, I call a guy and I'm like, hey, listen, I shot a deer smaller than I thought it was. And he's like, hold tight, you know. It's getting near dark. He goes, I can't come and pick you up right now. I have other guys. It's going to take me 20 minutes to get to you. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have to stick it out till I get there, which is gonna be a well a half hour at least after dark. Mm-hmm. I said that's fine, so I call up Tevis and I tell him the whole thing, and uh, well, it is what it is. So I make this big long journey back. Crap, I forgot this part of the story. <laughs> anyway, it's not really much to do with deer, but anyway, so I make it back and I'm literally sitting here on this crystal clear night, and this big super moon out Mm -hmm. and I'm like, well, I don't know when someone's going to be coming to get me. (laughs) And I'm a little bit bummed. I shot a deer smaller than I would have liked, but I got a pretty cool story out of it. And yeah, so I'm just like laying in this field and all of a sudden four pickup trucks pull in because all these other guides, because you know, they'll help each other out. Mm -hmm. They're like, Hey, Andy needs picked up. He's at whatever field, you know, whatever stand. They just all like met at the same time. Like, dang it, I'm not proud of what I did, and now everyone at camp is it's here. This. Oh my god! <laughs> Anyways, oh my god. Rick pulls his four wheeler off the, off the, off the trailer. He said, "Cop on, let's go get it." And so we went up there. We grabbed it. We lobbed it onto the rack. We go there. We throw it in the bed of one of the trucks, and you know, we make it out of there. But the part that was really neat about that day was, and I forgot all about it. While I was sitting in the dark for that hour plus in the morning. I'm sitting here, and I can see against the sky because it was pretty bright out with the moon. But I could not see in the woods much, so I'm just kind of sitting here looking. And just like over my head, this owl within grabbing distance dive bombs in front of my face. I'm like, mm. what the heck? Jesus. It goes out in front of me, goes around a cedar tree that was, I don't know, not too far from me. 
comes right back, coming straight to my face. I put my hands up. I'm like, you're going to hit me. <laughs> and it went straight up. You like go, felt the... I, I could not hear him. Like we said, owls are so quiet. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that was weird. Yeah. Sitting there again, 10 seconds later, right down in front. I'm like, what? It must think something might hat. Yeah. Well, okay. So I'm like, well, that's weird. So, you know, as the day went on <laughs> and things got slow, I texted. I'm like, I got dive bombed three times by an owl. <laughs> While I'm laying in the field waiting for someone to come, an owl dive bombs me again. Really? I'm, I'm like a half mile from where I was. I'm like, this hat must do something. Yeah. I'm laying on the ground with my head against my backpack looking up and this owl comes at me. Oh my God. So. He just wanted to see that buck too. He must have. That buck stunk so bad. Mm-hmm. It had this rank. Todd, you ever smell the rutted up buck? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so. It was that time. It was for this one, but you go to the, the other lease that I was at, and the deer just didn't really care. So, anyways, I I now have. And I'm like, well, I I have one more day of hunting left. I can't leave. I got to take at least one of my one of my guys home. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Bob's like, hey, shoot a doe for me the next day. Mm-hmm. And that's a really big no no to shoot a doe. I mean, to shoot a button buck mm-hmm. thinking it's a doe. So I'm a little bit bummed. My, you know, my I'm I'm messed up with my judgment calling. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, great, more pressure. Mm-hmm. So I'm I get in the stand that I hunted day one and day two, <laughs> and so I'm like, I, I'm familiar with this stand at this point. You know, it's a little easier to hunt. I get up there and I hear coming from the left. I'm like, here comes a deer. One thing I'm worried about is seeing a gigantic buck wow. at this point. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, it's a small doe. I pick up the gun. I'm looking at it. I'm like, I have no intention on shooting because I have nothing to judge the size of this deer off of. And it's lighting up. And I look and I'm like, you little jerk. You're a button buck. Nuh-uh. I'm like, okay, you're safe. Don't worry. Uh, Ten minutes later, from the right, here comes another deer. I'm like, ooh. It stops. They're just milling around eating and stuff like that. And pick up the gun, looking, you little jerk, you're a button buck. No way. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to the point, I'm starting to get nervous. I'm like, I should just unload this gun now. Yeah. So I don't have a judgment <laughs> error. <laughs> so they're there, you know, just doing reindeer games. And I hear coming from behind me from where the buck and the doe was on the first day. And I look over, I'm like, oh, there's two deer. I'm like, that first one's pretty big. And I'm right now debating on what I, what, if I should tell this part of the story now or I should tell it after it's all done because it's something I've never seen in the wild before. And I'm going to tell it after the fact because it, it'll get a better reaction. <laughs> so these two meet up with the other two and I'm like, okay, this, this one's bigger than the rest. Mm-hmm. And what I, what I left out should have been black and white that it was a doe. But, so I'm, I'm looking 10 power at like 50 yards on her head for five minutes. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, 
That is a nope, no. Nope. I'm, That's a my, my eyes are hurting. Yeah. I was trying to grow antlers on her. <laughs> I actually took the gun and I went down to see if I could see her tits. <laughs> you were growing antlers on her. You're growing double D's on her. You're gonna turn her into a supermodel. <laughs> I, I then like okay <laughs> she starts to not like what's going on being checked out by me and she kind of separates herself from the three I'm like if I'm like if I'm gonna do it now it's the time I'm not gonna shoot her and hit a button behind yeah. her yeah and she gets off now she's getting closer and I have my scope on her head and I'm like just head shoot her she's a button buff get rid of the junk and call it a double. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness I said. I got to trust my gut on this, you know, so I got to get back on that horse. I put it on her shoulder. I pop the trigger, hammer hard. She runs off. I thought she only ran like three steps, but she got behind this tree and I'm like, okay, she's dead there. So far I've killed two deer in like the last hour or so of me sitting. Mm -hmm. None of the deer run when you shoot. I don't get it. They don't? Like the the doe obviously ran because she got hit with a bullet. But the other ones... Just chilled. Just, like, what, what just happened? Mm-hmm. And I snap my gun on the thing. I drop it down. I don't even touch a rung of the ladder. I pretty much just, like, feet on the outside, mm-hmm. all the way down. Yeah. And I'm running to find this doe. And I'm like, i got to know if it's, a, I, I, if it's a button buck. I might as well just turn the gun on myself. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. And I'm running. I'm like... <laughs> I get, like, 20 yards from the stand. I'm like... Where's my deer? <laughs> I could not find her. Where'd she go? All of the all of the oak leaves look like deer. Oh and I'm like, do I need to climb back up the stand to see where I hit her? Yeah. Finally I'm looking around, I'm like, there's gotta be a blood trail. She got hit hard. Yeah. I'm like, okay, here's the blood. And I actually have to track this deer. Oh my when God. she got behind that one tree, she followed the tree back and then she curled mm-hmm. up and stuff. And so I get up to her and I like I don't even have my gun. I just I the gun would have slowed my arm pumping down with mm-hmm. the running. Mm-hmm. So I I run up and I'm like, oh crap, she could still be alive. Yeah, but she's there and I'm just like, well, okay. So I gave her head a good kick and it didn't move. I'm like okay, oh you're my dead. God. And I'm like, were you feeling I, around her head? I got down and I like started massaging her scalp. Yeah. to make sure there were <laughs> buttons. Oh my God. I grab her back leg. I flip it. I'm like. You got titties. And I'm just like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what I was looking for. And I'm just like, so excited that it actually was a doe. <laughs> now, the part that I left out, which should have made it evident that she was a doe, and it didn't make sense to me until we started butchering her. I'm going to, I'm going to, this, they're going to, they're going to give, give it each other away. So I'm going to tell the story. When those two doe came from my left behind me, those two button bucks ran over to her and started nursing. Nursing. Uh, <laughs> I was just going to say they were... They now, were keep this in mind. Each button buck <laughs> came from a different direction. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was telling people, and they're like, you killed her, she was a mom, and this yeah. and that. And I said, I took a predator out of the woods she was a pedophile screwing yeah. with them kids. Yeah, she was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. But when we were, you know, it's kind of neat how they, how they did the butchering there in, in that 
you know, they just kind of did a rough butcher on this. They didn't, like, get every ounce of meat like Todd would probably do it, but they did not want the deers gutted because, first off, they don't want gut piles around their stands. Mm-hmm. And secondly, the one guy, you know, he, he roughs them pretty pretty quickly. He prefers to have the guts in them, and he butchers them with the guts in them. You, you do miss the tenderloins. Mm-hmm. But he gets the big hunks of meat off of it, and it's just more convenient for them to handle the deer whole yeah. and go put it where they're going to dump the bodies than to deal with a gut pile that's sitting in the yard at camp. Right. But when we were skinning it, he was, you know, cutting off the, you know, the hair at the belly and milk just starts pouring all over the floor. Wow. And I'm just like, wow, I've never seen that before. You killed a mom. I did. I killed her good too, right in front of the kids. Right in front of the kids. I guess you do that every time you shoot a doe. Sometimes, but normally like the thing that you were seeing a lot of was... This time of year, the, fa- the, the the doe will kick the kids, like, get away. Mm-hmm. It's time for me to go hang out with daddy. Mm-hmm. And the fact that those two button bucks came from either side, and yeah. I, I'm like, well, they could be, and they just know mom's around. I mean, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I would say that the chances that that was their mother wouldn't be better than a coin flip. Yeah. And the fact that they saw her, ran to her, and started nursing, again, that should have been a big flag indicator. Yeah. <clears throat> But still, that but, was all messing with you. But it was all mental stuff at that point. Yeah. I mean, I almost got to the point, I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to tell Bob that I didn't see any deer. <laughs> just like, <laughs> not shoot yeah, yeah, I, I, It's I too stressful. Yeah. Too stressful. Because, you know, that, that those button bucks could literally be yeah. a booner yeah. in five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, so anyways, I'm done on Tuesday. That's like the last day for us to go hunting. And... I just start texting around to see. I'm like, are there any shots fired? They're like, yeah, there was a big one shot, and, you know, on, on the lease that you were at. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And uh, they brought back to camp this magnificent 10 point mm. shot in the other stand, the other clamp on from where the 14 was shot. Oh, yeah. So that guy definitely had to have heard my shot ring out because it was, when I shot, it was the longest I've ever heard a gunshot like carry. Yeah. It's like, yeah, like it must have just been carrying down this valley, mm-hmm. and uh, but he got it. He spent like over three days in that clamp on, and he got a shot at this. It, I don't know what the final score was, but the, the estimates were in the one sixties. Wow. So the stands in this area got a one seventy five, and they got a one sixty, mm-hmm. and I shot a doe. <laughs> <laughs> so you know we're we skidding out my deer, and they're like, hey, we got another one to do. I'm like, okay. And I, I had nothing else to do. I was kind of standing around. And they brought this other doe, and it was a fawn doe. Mm-hmm. And they're like, they're like, well, this one will be easy to do. And I'm like, why? They're like, he headshot it. Half the head was missing. Really? <laughs> oh, my God. He's probably doing the same thing you were doing. Well, he, he wanted, he's like, I'm getting something before I leave, and I'm not going to waste a single ounce of meat on this deer, so I'm shooting her in the head. Yeah. He actually called his guy. He goes, there's a doe like 20 yards away. Should I shoot it? And the guy's like, I wouldn't hold out for a buck. Mm -hmm. Hold on. (laughs) Hey, I got a doe down. Come get it. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) He's like, I'm not getting it right now. I'll get it when I'm coming to get you. Mm -hmm. But I got a dead deer here. And then like, I guess a half hour later, that guy saw a big buck chasing a doe in the field. Mm -mm. Like out of range. But, you know, so he ended up. You know, 
So they actually did after I think after that they did go and grab the dough, got drunk, just got it out of there quick, left the guy in the stand. And but anyways, that was uh, that was my hunting stories. And I so out of the crew, you got a buck and a doe, and everybody else just didn't Every, have good luck. Yeah, I mean they could have shot doe, but it's not when you're going on a big buck hunt. Yeah. you tend to not shoot the doe first. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you know, like I guess Bob had an opportunity at a buck similar to mine, mm-hmm. and he just, you know, thing was, I would not have shot my buck if it would have walked in front of me at fifty yards, mm-hmm. at twenty yards. Mm-hmm. It's just how its ears were pinned and it was displaying itself, and that it was quick and it was a hundred, probably twenty-five yard shot in that ballpark. I did it. It's getting a year, you know, the skull's getting cleaned right now. So I have some token. I booked another hunt. So next hunt, which my wife wants it to be 2018. I'm going to probably break it to her next July that it's going to be my redemption hunt in 2017. There you go. I just, I can't stop looking at Facebook. Hopefully she doesn't uh, listen to this podcast too, too much. No. No, an hour and thirty six minutes into it, she'll be bored. By then. So, yeah, but, but yeah. that was that was my deer hunting in a nutshell, and we're going to be prepping here for the ultimate hunt here in like two weeks. The <laughs> the podcast crew in the tower. Oh gosh! Yeah, that'll be fun. I'm getting. I'm looking forward to I'm, that. I'm, I should have heaters in the pole barn, so you guys won't be too cold. How about heaters in the? Uh... In the stand. I'll turn that heater on if you promise not to scrape your boots together and make no, rubber I have, squeal. I have my, I have muck boots now, so we'll be good. I might have to. You know how I made that fishing rod with heated eyelets so they don't freeze. Oh yeah. I'll make you a suit made of that. There you go. I'll take it. And I'll I'll take the batteries out of your golf cart. They might not work. but good stuff so that wraps up my kentucky hunt you know i i I really like it down there they treat you well they feed you good they're fair and uh i had a good time i will say this it was the hardest hunt i've been on now i've been on two hunts one was an elk hunt and the other was this mentally it kills you sitting there that long Physically, I mean, yep. yeah, you can put up with just, oh, man, my back hurts, this and that. It's really, you just sit there and say, well, I'm going to be here till then. You can accept it. But mentally, it, it drains on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got, I, I was feeling it just from the story. Yeah. Because you're not in the ranger and you're on a dining room, kitchen chair. That's true. But uh, anyways, that's that story. Cut everybody up on my hunting. Yeah. Uh, Rifle will be kicking off here in a week or so, week and a half. We'll have some good stuff then. But uh, I guess. We'll all be looking. I'll be looking for the buck. I'll be looking for does. I'm going to be at a big disadvantage because if anybody listened to that first one, it took me about two years to pull the trigger on it. No, you did the right thing though. Because I, I Todd's gonna blow. I'll be like, "Is that the buck?" Okay, and then Todd's just gonna take my ear off. Yeah, with a shot, and be like, "Yeah, that was it. <laughs> it's dead now." You just gotta hope You're that up Todd next. shoots one opening day. 
No. <laughs> no, it won't be like that. <laughs> yeah. It'll be fun. Yeah. Will be. Only comes once a year. So, you know, I want to thank uh, St. Croix Rods, Fat Easy Muskie Products, Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, Boss Shad. Be sure to uh, check out Boss Shad at Team Rhino Outdoors, Muskie Tackle Online, Triple J's, Chautauqua Real Outdoors, North Shore Tackle in Canada, Thorn Brothers, and Mark's Bait Tackle and Ammo, largest Boss Shad dealer, all makes, models, colors, Ravina, Ohio. The online store is up. You can also find Paul on Facebook, BossShad.net. So thanks to all the sponsors. Thanks for listening, and uh, good luck fishing and hunting.